Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Mike Rossin. Thank Michael. I'm not restarting. Michael Rossin. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for tuning in on this dreary, rainy Tuesday here in Maine. The winds are whipping, the rains are pouring, and I am a weeping. I'm a sad Italian man. No, that's a sad Italian accent. What was that? <laughs> All right, now that I got your attention, listen. Your phone is having way more of an effect on your mind than you could possibly imagine. Okay, so the past three days, just three days, I've done my best. I've cut my just, um, I like to call it empty space phone usage. Like nothing productive is getting done. And you're just sitting there. And you're scroll. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Everybody now. There's not a single person alive, uh, at least in the modern world, that is not actively using empty face, empty space phone usage. Usage. So empty space phone usage is you don't have anything to do, so you get on your phone and you're just scrolling TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you know you'll watch people. Like I'll sit in waiting rooms, and I'm not you know spying on people, but. You know, you'll look over at somebody, they just open an app, they scroll three times, they close out. Go to another app, they scroll three times, close out. It's mindless. It's completely mindless. Why? Because we're getting little dopamine hits. We're getting little dopamine hits. The problem is, is that if anything is cheap and easy to obtain and it feels good, the there's, there's an inverse crash associated with it. So in other words, like Huberman talks about this with drugs, especially cocaine. The higher the peak and the quicker that you get there, the lower the subsequent valley is. And the longer you stay there, the longer the recovery period. So I don't think being on your phone is like cocaine, but it's very similar. It's like pornography. Men will talk about, and and ladies and (laughs) older people that listen to this, just this what I'm about to get into is a little crude, but it's real. Men will tell you, that they'll watch, they'll consume pornography. And after the uh, after the peak, they will feel utterly and completely disgusted with themselves and what they just did. And then they'll feel very badly. There's a lot of shame. And those feelings of shame and feeling badly last a lot longer than that peak did, right? That's just like ripping a line of coke. Big peak, feeling great, and then there's a crash. And then what do you need to do again to make yourself feel better? You need to do another line. What do you need to do again to make yourself feel better? You need to pull up another website. What do you need to do to, you know what I'm saying? So our phones are like little micro hits of dopamine. So what happens is you get this little high, you put your phone down, you feel kind of poopy. So what do you do? You pick your phone up again. Everybody knows what I'm talking about right now. And if you don't, you're not even aware of what's happening to you. And that's scary. But if you're at least aware of that, that, that this is how you feel picking up and putting down your phone, then you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. Peaks and valleys. You are destroying your brain's reward system. I firmly believe, now a lot of it has to do with the food, a lot of it has to do with the tap water, a lot of it has to do with the chemicals, a lot of it has to do with just the way of the world right now. But 
you have to understand something. I think a lot of attention deficit now, a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression comes from phones, 100%. I think that if you were to take a depressed and anxious person and put them on a farm with no phone for a week, a lot of their depression and anxiety would go away. I really do. I firmly believe that. You lit. You basically, many of us live. <clears throat> I love in Fight Club when he talks about single serving. Little, like how we live in these little cubicles. We live in these little box apartments. Single serving this, single serving that, single serving friends. You know, he talks about me, Tyler Durden on the plane saying that he's a single serving friend. Because he met him and then he, you know, he didn't know he was going to meet him again. And really it was himself, right? But I don't want to spoil it for you if you've never seen the video or the movie. But everything in life is so packaged and one and done. And it's, it's empty. And that's your phone. And I realized that this morning that I was in a great mood when I woke up. And I was in a great mood when I prayed. And I was in a great mood when I spent time with my daughter, but as soon as I got on my phone, my mood crashed. It felt really good to pick up my phone and clear out my notifications, but then there was this subsequent crash where I felt a little angry and I felt a little cranky. And I'm like, holy smokes, this thing really does affect me in ways that I never even realized. And this is just from three days of being about being very conscious about my phone use. You know, I've been, I've cut my, like I just told you, I've cut my empty space phone usage down by probably more than 50% over the past three days. And the, and the, the focus, the improvement in my mood and the depth of my thinking has improved a thousandfold. You guys probably get a better, listen to like, last week's like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday's episode, if I did it, I don't even think I did episodes two of those days because I was so on edge. Listen to last week's episodes and then listen to Sunday, Monday, today, and you will get a completely different version of me. Why? I didn't do anything differently other than just not touch my phone as much. I'm telling you, that thing is a vacuum that's sucking all the feel-good emotion out of you. It's sucking your dopamine out of you. And I just, every, everywhere you go, everybody's just facing their phone, facing their phone. What, what do people do when they're waiting in line? Oh, the, uh, uh, standing there staring at their stupid phones, not even looking at anything. Oh, let me pull up the weather app for no reason and then close out of it. And then, oh, let me check my bank account for no reason. Let me close all. Oh, let me look at Instagram. Oh, no notifications. Close out of that. Oh, let me open Facebook. Oh, no You'll watch. You'll sit there and watch somebody just do nothing on their phone. Oh, let me pull my calculator. What's forty-two times forty-two? <laughs> it's like it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous, man. It really is. It's very dangerous for us, and we're so hopelessly addicted to these things. So the point of this episode is, I had one um, filmed before this. On the oh, this is going to be spicy. On the topic of homosexuality, somebody asked me, and I got into it, and uh, I want to do a lengthier episode on it. So I paused that. I'm going to snippet that out and restart that episode. 
because uh, I had a really great question um, from a homosexual. And uh, I'm going to come back and revisit that topic with you guys uh, on a much lengthier. I'm going to probably need about an hour, probably in a 45 minutes to an hour. And I don't have that time today. So we're going to go back to that. But today's the point of today is um, the point of today is I encourage you to cut down on your empty space phone usage where you're not doing anything productive on your phone. I really encourage all of you to do this, to practice this over the next couple of days. And what I think it damages more than anything else is your impulse control. Your impulse control. I've noticed I've gotten uh, significantly better with my impulse control over the past three days. And it all ties back to my phone. Not picking my phone up every time I want to pick it up. And it's hard. It's an addiction. It's a real addiction. And I think that if you have problems with impulse control, which is me, I'm a very, very impulsive person. I, boy, I've got strong, strong, strong impulses. Very powerful. Um, and historically, I've done wild things impulsively. You know, and they, you get shocked and you get labeled something. Oh, you know, it's manic and blah, 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 right? Well, if I, if I was bipolar, how come there hasn't been an episode in the past two and a half years? You know what I mean? Where's, where's the science behind that? I can't, it's everything that I'm doing. It's my mind, body, and spirit. It's, a, I understand, it's understanding. Instead of, you know what? You know what's cheap? Speaking of cheap highs, you know it's cheap slapping on a label on something and taking a pill. Slapping a label on something and taking a pill. Every, you know what it is? It's it's almost selfish. And whoa, this is going to be tough for some of you to hear, and some of you might never you you might not ever listen to me again. And I'm not a doctor. Let me preface this before somebody gets off their meds and jumps off a bridge. Okay, I'm not a doctor. These are all opinions. They're not facts. I'm not educated in this. I'm not blah, 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 blah. This is a disclaimer that I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a mental health professional. Although I don't think there are any mental health professionals or pill dealers. But I will tell you something. People are addicted to labels. People love to call themselves something. I'm neurodivergent. I have, I, I have, you'll see it in people's TikTok bios and Instagram bios. People... There used to be shame associated with this stuff. Shame. Real shame associated with, you know, being anxious, being depressed, having BPD, having uh, all kinds of personality disorders. Now it's worn like a badge of honor. And it's very closely related to pronouns and transsexualism. It's very closely related that people are proud now. Proud to have a psychiatrist, proud to have a therapist, proud to wear a label and take a pill. You know why? Because people just want to feel different. They want to feel special. I'm telling you, that's not the way to do it. If you wanted to be really special and different in today's day and age, you know who you would be? If you were single, you would be celibate. 
you'd be church going, you'd be physically fit, you'd be a hardcore Christian. That's if you really wanted to be different. Because everybody's got something now. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm anxious. Oh, I'm on Adderall. Oh, I'm on Rillin. I'm on Zoflax. I'm on Boplax. I'm on Dplax. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to crush your feelings right now. If you are on something and you're dealing with mental health struggles, I've been there. And I was proud of it. It felt good to have a label. Number one, because it fed my ego. But number two, because it felt it felt like a cheap way to solve it. Oh, I'm bipolar. Okay, I take this pill. It's And nobody gets cured. Nobody feels better. The pills just numb you. They just, and at the end of the day, it comes down to not wanting to deal with your demons head on. (coughs) Taking a pill is just another, it's another way to avoid dealing with your demons head on. That's all it is. That's all it is. And many of you that listen to me are on antidepressants. Many of you uh, that listen to me are on anti-anxiety medications. Many of you that listen to me have been labeled by the system as having something wrong with you. What I'm trying to tell you, although this, this, this might sound harsh in my delivery, what I'm trying to tell you is that there is nothing wrong with you. You are not sick. You are just living a life that you're not supposed to. You're being forced into a box that is making... Why Why wouldn't you be miserable? Many of you are working at a job that you hate, that you truly, you might say that you like, but you truly hate. You're constantly worried about how you're going to pay your bills. You live in a box, basically, in an apartment somewhere. Probably in a dirty city or a suburb. You're under constant pressure. You're under constant stress. You've had bad things happen to you in your life, so you're traumatized. The world right now is a burning pile of garbage. Everything around you is doom and gloom. No wonder you don't feel good. So what you have to do is you have to live a life that is iconoclastic against the grain to society. I didn't start feeling good, truly good about myself, with my moods and my behaviors until I started living outside the proverbial box. It wasn't until I got out of the city, it wasn't until I stopped worrying about money It wasn't until I stopped worrying about having the next nice thing. It wasn't until I stopped consuming all the vile, nasty foods and drinks that they try to shove down our gullets to keep us sick. It wasn't all of these things. Because I know I'm talking to somebody right now. You're doing the diet. You're doing the exercise. You're doing all this. And you're like, why do I still feel a certain way? Because you're still living a life that you shouldn't be living. You're trying to be somebody that you're not. I think a lot of anxiety comes from trying to be something that you're not. For years, I was pretending to be somebody that I wasn't. It made me miserable, and that's why you're miserable. You're not sick, my dear friend. I tell you the truth because I love you, and I want the best for you. You're not sick. 
you've got to stop the obsession with the label. And you've got to stop looking for the next doctor or the next pill to feel better. More than anything else, you're not going to feel better until you start living in Jesus Christ. That's number one. That's at the top of the list. And if you're still, well, I'm, I am reading the Bible. I am sp sp you know, spending time with God. But yeah, are you still making the same mistakes and living in violation of what God's commanded us to live in a way that's God, that God has commanded us to live on a day-to-day -day basis? Because I notice that the more that I live in opposition to God's will, the more anxiety I feel. And the worse that I feel. And the more that I want to escape into drugs and alcohol. And then that just makes you feel worse. And then you feel worthless. And then you feel like you can't gain ground. And you feel like every time you take three steps forward, you take ten steps back. And it's because you live in a constant state of self-sabotage. You live in a constant state of self-sabotage. And you wonder why you're constantly... It's because your heart... Your heart is desperately crying out because you know what it feels like to live a life that is pleasing to God, that is honorable. You know what it feels like. So anytime you step out of that, you're in for a world of pain and misery. So there's nothing like a 50-year-old guy with invisible lat syndrome coming out of the gym, baby. Let's go. You'll love to see it. Hey, he was here. He got the job done today. <laughs> I love to see it, man. I love to see it. But I'm not trying to be mean. It's good that he's here. This is funny. I just, listen, guys, I have so, I wish you could understand, I wish you could just live in my heart for a moment so you could understand that no matter how harsh I am, sometimes I love you, but you are your own worst enemy. And a label isn't going to fix anything. A doctor is not going to fix anything. A psycho whatever is not going to fix anything. The medication's not going to fix anything. If anything, it'll just dull the screaming voice inside of you. I tell my wife, and I've talked about this before, that it's a buzzing in my head. And in the past, I would try to numb this buzzing. And now I recognize that this buzzing in my head is an indication that something in my life is not right and needs to be corrected. And it always goes back to my behavior. But guess what? It's easier to pop a pill and sit there and talk to your therapist than it is to change your behavior, isn't it? I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk to people, and I'm not saying that there isn't a time and place for medication. Although I'm very opposed to psychotropic meds. Very. Mike, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes, I do. Yes, I do there, partner. <coughs> Excuse me. I just, I want the best for all of you. And until you stop, until you stop living and it could be little things. It could be little things. You know, I if you if you knew me four years ago and you know me now, you know I'm a completely different person and I'm ten times happier. You know? And it's because I'm being truer to myself and I'm being more importantly truer to God. And being true to God and doing what He wants in your life is the best thing that you can do for yourself. 
It might hurt at first. You're going to make sacrifices. You're going to have to give up what you want. But in the long term, you're going to feel much better and you'll feel peace. What does God promise us? God promises us peace. Now, that doesn't mean that it's an easy life. It just means that we have the strength to endure it properly. That's, that's what I talked about Sundays. Just give me the strength to endure it properly. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go in and lift. I love you guys. Have a great day. And uh, please listen to what I said. Bye-bye.